It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. A little-known book in the Old Testament is Nahum. Some people say Nahum, uh, whichever way you might say it. Chapter 1, verse 7, listen to this verse. It will bless you. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. I pray that you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's a friend that will stick with you. He is good. And when the difficulties come, he is a stronghold. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane and our team, Brent, Richard, and Cole. We're ready to take mm. phone calls today, Alex, because today is Fire Away Friday. And that phone number, you want to give it to everybody? How about this, folks? Dial this number. Uh, this afternoon, the, the only phone number you need to know, it's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And Bert, every day is special, every day on Exploring the Word into the Scriptures, but I have to tell you, I love Fire Away Friday. I do as well. We get to talk with people, and, and you and I both, we've understood we're kind of people people we we like to talk with people and share with them and when you go to a meeting uh man you're out there meeting them i am as well and it's a joy to do that and and so we love to talk with them on the phone and see them in person and so today you can make that phone call triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero and by the way alex uh you've been in colorado all week headed Mm -hmm. back to north carolina Yes, after we finish, um, you know, I'm on Exploring the Word. Then I'm on a show called Truth and Liberty uh, from 5.30 to 7 Eastern, although it's seen throughout the Western Hemisphere, and we're going to be doing Bible questions. I do want to say, please be in prayer. Um, I've got an article on townhall.com. It'll probably show up by tomorrow night, townhall.com. I mentioned it earlier, and I won't belabor this point, but there's a ministry in Myrtle Beach called Ground Zero, uh, they just, I, I, the leader of it called me earlier today um, as of a city council meeting. Uh, they're now uh, banned from the public schools. There's a debate on the, the building they rent from the city of Myrtle Beach being taken back. Um, even though Ground Zero for two decades has done ministry to tens of thousands of people, homeless, youth, uh, they feed the hungry, they, and they share the gospel. But um, an LGBT Facebook group uh, told the city of Myrtle Beach to kick them out. And so please be in prayer. And part of the reason I bring that up is because, look, there are all over America Christian ministries quietly going about doing the work of the gospel, food pantries, clothes closets, youth ministry, helping impoverished kids, and yes, standing for biblical values. So, Bert, there's there's more that's going to, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say too much, only pray, because look, I'm a happy camper. I have the joy of Jesus. But, Bert, I'm going to be straight with you. Our nation is in a spiritual battle. We Would really you agree? Are. We really are. In the debate that they had 
uh, the other night uh, in the Republican nominees or whatever you'd say, the contestants wanting to be the nominee, uh, you could hear some of them say, oh, we, you know, we're, we're all right, better days ahead. But some of them said, we are in trouble. And I agree, we're in trouble. We need to make a U-turn, and it's called repentance and turn back to God. But by the way, I'm going to be at Auburn Baptist Church. I've been there, oh, uh, man, close to a year and a half now as their interim pastor. And I'm Amen. going to be preaching on a sermon when God says no. You know, you've heard prayers, you know, that God says yes. He delays, not now. Or no, what do you do when he says no to a good prayer? Well, I'm going to mm. be preaching on that Sunday, and I hope folks, if they're in northeast Mississippi looking for a place to go, come to Auburn Baptist Church, 830 uh, Bert, and 1045. Could, could I see that online? Do you guys stream online? You sure online? can. It's live-streamed online, Auburn Baptist Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. You can stream. You can. You really can. So I, it's a it's a message. Amen. It's pretty deep, and so looking forward to it. But anyway. Well, I'm going to tell you this, folks. If you can go hear Bert Harper, and I, Lord knows I'm just speaking from the heart, one of the most powerful preachers that I know of is Bert, and uh, I've heard you preach uh, a number of times, folks, either online or in person, Go hear Bert Harper preach, and you'll be blessed. Well, I look forward to doing that and ask God just to uh, do a great work in people's lives. Well, the phone lines, man, we're full today. Let's, you want to see how many we can get to, Alex? <laughs> let's do that. Okay, let's go to Tennessee. Welcome, Cindy. Hi. Thank I you for calling. Uh, I'm glad I got to call in because I'm picking kids up at school. But anyway... <laughs> I, well, you know, we have thought about the the animals on Noah's Ark, and I had a we had a pastor one time that we did a study on that. But have you ever thought about the animals on Noah's Ark being all babies? Okay. I mean, God can yeah. do anything. That's right. And if you think about, it, uh, they eat less, they sleep all the time. I mean, it would kind of make sense. And another thing uh, I've always thought about is everybody in heaven, of course, I won't know till I get there, is everybody in heaven going to be like 33 years old because Jesus was 33 when he left the earth? Okay. Man, Cindy, you're a thinker. And I, mm-hmm. Alex, this is a blessing. Yes, especially like dinosaurs, baby. God's God takes care he knows how to use space in earth and everywhere so the good thought concerning some of them at least being younger adolescent not necessarily babies but adolescent i think so is a real deal i think that's a real possibility alex do you think so and what about uh how will we be in heaven uh, well, great. First of all, thank you for listening. Uh, great call. By the way, there's a book came out several years ago called Noah's Ark, A Feasibility Study. And it was by an author named jo- John Wood Morapi. Uh, and his last name is, I know it's a long last name, W-O-O-D-M-O-R-A-P-P-E. Noah's Ark, A Feasibility Study. And it, it was a very scientific look at the the numbers of animals, the sizes, and all those kind of things. And, um, yeah, you know, Noah, Noah was able, per God's directive, to get those animals on the ark. I absolutely believe it. And, of course, last night I interviewed Ken Ham, and we were talking about the ark and the ark encounter in northern Kentucky. But, you know, Bert, there have been a fair amount of people during the, 
Reformation, like with uh, John Calvin and Martin Luther and Minno Simons and William Tyndale, during the time of the Reformation, uh, they were reading the Scriptures because there was this cry, sola scriptura, you know, get back to the Scriptures, Scripture alone. And a lot of people um, then, and I think it's wise reasoning, they, they think maybe in heaven that we would be the equivalent of like 33, because that's like, you know, 30... You know, 30 to mid-30s, that's kind of the prime of life. 33 was how old Jesus was when uh, when the Lord was crucified. And, uh, you know, First John 3, 2 says that we will be like God. Uh, now, we're not going to be God, but right. we will be like Him exactly. and we'll be conformed to the image of Christ. So um, I know one thing about heaven. It'll be perfect. It will be. I've heard that, and uh, I I've and I see the conversation going that way and if i had to pick an age you know i'm glad i don't that's left up to god but i'd say that 30 to 33 would be a great great time a great thing so cindy great thinking great call picking up those kids thank you for listening let's go to illinois and talk to brian welcome brian hi there how are we doing this afternoon doing well brother how's things in illinois hot well, I, I checked it on the thermometer right before we came into the studio. 100 degrees, an equivalent of 113 with heat index down here in Tupelo, Mississippi. So it's warm today, yes. We're 115 on the heat index and 99 on the thermometer. Okay. Well, what's your question anyway, for us? Makes me makes me happy I know where I'm going, <laughs> and it ain't going to be hot there. It's going to be perfect. Hallelujah. Amen, Amen brother. Way to go. <laughs> All righty. Just a, a perplexing question. As many times as God and Jesus and are referred to as the rock, why did we choose stoning? As corporal punishment, why did we choose a rock to throw at uh, a disobedient children, as adulterers, at uh, sinners whose sin merited death? Okay. Why did we choose rock? Brian, thank you for your good question. When I was in Israel, Alex, and I know you've been as well, and I was to it, I noticed something that was always plentiful something that was always around, handy no matter where you were, and that stones, rocks. Uh, they, I mean, that they got plenty of I know it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but I would add to it, a land flowing with milk and honey with stones laying all around, you know? So I, yeah. it, I, I think it was man just picking it up, and, you know, they were there available. Alex, mm -hmm. go ahead. You know, when we went to the Holy Land, and, and by the way, I, I sure do hope we get to go back, and uh, maybe we'll get to do that in the next few years. But um, on the last day of our trip, they were saying they kind of did a debrief, and I was with a group from Focus on the Family, and they said, well, what will you remember? What did you learn about being here in the Middle East? And everybody was saying different things, and I, it just popped in my head. I said, well, what, what have I learned they sure do know how to stack rocks. <laughs> it is. I, I mean, really. They're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. But do you know what? Um, it's fascinating, the history of stoning as a form of corporal punishment, capital punishment, I should say, uh, goes back. And they don't really know the history of it. It's been around for so long. But apparently from 
pre-recorded, you know, time immemorial murderers and people that were being executed. One way, and I know it's painful to think about, but stoning. And um, I think about Stephen in the book of Acts. Certainly that would be a very horrific and painful way to die, wouldn't it, Burke? It really would. And it, it was horrible. And again, but while he was, he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing and, and I think that goes along with the verse that I opened with in the Old Testament. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. He can keep you. He's that kind of God. Well, Alex, man, we're getting a lot of phone calls. We're going to try to take as many as we can. We got Ron, Dan, Kyle, Ken, Dan, Eli. Man, we got two Dans waiting. So we're going to take your phone calls, looking excited. Uh, these questions, we're wanting to answer them. We hope you're having a great day on this Fire Away Friday. Call somebody up real quick. Say, tune in and listen to this program. We'll be back with more right after this break. The scripture cannot be broken. That's John 10, 35, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture cannot be broken. John 10, 35. I love that verse. Well, we are back on Exploring the Word. It is Fire Away Friday. And folks, we thank you for calling. Bert, uh, you've got that computer, and uh, you can hit the button. Where shall we go next? Let's go to Texas. Hello? Yeah, Ron, thank you for calling. Go ahead. Hey. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh I read the Bible on the Logos app, and I usually re I read the mainly the King the New King James version, but I also follow up with different versions. Uh, one of them being the New Living Translation, and the other one being I just looked up recently because of the Bible giveaway that y'all had at the start of school was the God Translation. Can you tell me a little bit more of the God Translation about it? Go ahead, Alex. Um, well, as far as I know, you know, I, I like it, and everything that I've read seems to be straight up. Uh, would you agree, Bert? I agree. I've read it there, too, in the Bible Giveaway Truth for Youth, and yeah. uh, we got, you know, we've talked to Tim about that, and he said it was a Tim plain— Todd. Yeah, Tim Todd. It was a plain translation, good, and he felt good about it, and I, I haven't read it all the way through from, uh, from you know— I would say Matthew to Revelation, but the what I've read from it was really, really good. The New King James is one I use. I, I tell folks I'm yeah. old enough to have done everything in King James, but I never was a thee and a thou person, and I had a hard time sing, uh, saying runneth in place of running. Mm -hmm. So when the New King James came out, man, I ran to it. And uh, But also the New Living Translation, it has been good too. So I, I would say this, uh, Ron, you're you're good with what you're uh, doing. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Ken in Texas. Ken, welcome. Yeah. Hey, thank you. I appreciate your show. Uh, listen to it every day. I uh, really appreciate what you guys do. God thank you, brother. You. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, my question is, uh, in scriptures, it says that. To the Lord, uh, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. 
So when they, you know, they say that the world was created, which he certainly did in seven days. Uh, what, what is your belief with, uh, according to scripture? Is that 7,000 years or seven days? Okay. Great, uh, let me weigh in. Great on this. question again. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, Psalm 90 and Second uh, Peter 3 both say that a, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. You know, I really think that um, that means that God is not bound by time. You know, being eternal, God can act in this temporal world. But um, regarding the six days of creation and God rested on the seventh, I absolutely 1,000% believe that is a literal 24-hour day, a regular day. And, you know, throughout the Bible, the other biblical writers, including Jesus himself, referred to the creation stories. And, Bert, I know that some people have taken the Second Peter 3 and the Psalm 90, and they said, oh, well, this must mean that, you know, morning and evening were the first day, and that was, you know, eons of time. Look, the only reason people ever came up with, quote, the old earth idea was to somehow harmonize Charles Darwin and Moses, to somehow harmonize evolution, which doesn't allow for God the Creator, and creation, which is, you know, the story of our origins in the Bible. Uh, Bert, I was on the radio last night with Ken Ham, brilliant guy, and, and we had a long discussion about how the word yom, why in the Hebrew word yom, day, it means a 24-hour day. And so uh, I believe God created in six literal days, rested on the seventh. That means the earth is roughly 6,000 years old, plus, you know, maybe six at the most. You know, Henry Morris and uh, John Whitcomb that wrote the book The Early Earth in 1961, they said maybe 10,000 years old. And I'm keenly aware that evolution says it's millions of years. I don't believe that for one minute. I agree with you. Let me share this with you, and you and I have shared it. We've got some good people, godly people, that they differ than Alex and me on that. I, I think they're wrong. That's just our opinion. But you got to have some grace, and, and it's three E's. And, Alex, you and I came up with this, an early earth, eschatology, and election. Uh, yeah. Don't part fellowship over those. You may disagree, but disagree with harmony, uh, disagree with, uh, you know, attitude being right. And so, Ken, I, Alex, and I agree that day is that day. And if I get to heaven and I'm wrong, I just say, hey, I, I was wrong, my Lord, but I, I don't think I will. But hey, God created in the beginning. What's the most important part there? In the beginning, God, Alex. Amen. Amen. Let's go right to on. let's go to Ohio and talk to Dan. Welcome, Dan. Hey, good afternoon, Alex and Bert. Uh, sure enjoy your show, and thank you for all the understanding that you've given over the years. Uh, Revelation tw- chapter twelve is my question: the travail of the woman. Uh, is this the birth of Christ or the birth of Israel? And is it, uh, or is it something in the future? Go ahead, Alex. Well, um, yes, Revelation chapter 12, the woman has traditionally been understood to mean uh, Israel. And you know what, that she was uh, in travail in birth, Revelation 12 too. Interestingly, yeah, and we think of the birth of Jesus, and, and that was uh, a circumstance where Satan tried to intervene 
but just Israel coming into their land, Israel remaining in existence. Uh, the woman Israel has always been under attack by the dragon, verse 4. And even in our own times, my goodness, the Palestinians and the UN and liberal American Democrats have done their utmost to fight against the nation of Israel. So, Bert, I think the woman, Israel, has been in travail because Satan hates that nation through which would come our Messiah and Satan's uh, defeater, King Jesus. Amen. And let me tell you, Satan hates what God loves. That's just it. God loves it. It's the apple of his eye. He loves Christians, man. Satan attacks us. We're not... We should not be ignorant of Satan's devices uh, in our own lives. But I agree with Alex in Revelation 12. Uh, again, that woman has, and I, I agree, There's, uh, I, I think there's evidence for that, Alex, that it be in Israel. I do as well. Let's go to your great state of North Carolina and talk to Eli. Welcome, Eli. Hey. Yes, thank um, you for calling. So, um, I was, I was in a camp in Bostick, North Carolina. You signed my book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was just several weeks ago. Thank you for being there. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I have a question about Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. Okay. So, it was talking about, like, sacrifices and stuff. Do they still do that in Israel today, or do they, like, don't do it anymore? Well, first of all, and thank you for that really good question, but I want to say thanks for coming to the camp. Uh, folks, we did seven camps this summer for, with uh, teenagers from all over America, biblical worldview. Eli, did you like the camp? Um. Yes. Wow. I did. Well, well, great. Well, let me let me talk about this. Okay. There have been a lot of nations that were pagan nations and they sacrifice things to this day uh to try to, you know, uh, appease some god that they think they believe in and all of that is false. But Israel in the Old Testament, God told them to make sacrifices because that would look towards the sacrifice that would come when Jesus was born. Now, on the cross, when the Lord was crucified and all of our sin debt was put on Jesus, and he suffered because he loves us, but Jesus says, it is finished. In other words, no more lambs in the temple, uh, no more sacrifices. Uh, and Eli and Bert, one time I was in New York City, I got to lead a Jewish young man to Christ. And I asked him at first, I was sharing the gospel, and I said, uh, his name was Avi. He might be listening. He lives in Northern Virginia. I said, do you think Jesus is the Savior? And he said, uh, no. And I said, then why aren't you guys killing some lambs? And he, looked, he said, I don't know. Yeah. And I said, look, Jesus is the lamb. And Avi did accept Christ. But Bert, there's no more sacrifices, no more need for it, because there was the final complete sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and he rose again. And he says, it is finished, or another word was paid in full. 
No more need, nothing. Jesus Christ has provided everything that we need for salvation. All we need to do is repent of our sin, our way, turn to him in faith, receive him, surrender your life to him, and he will come in and be with you forever. What a story that is. If you need help knowing that, there's our partners, Triple Eight Need Him. That, that, isn't that neat? To, you, you're known by your phone number, Triple Eight Need Him. That's their oh, partner, that's... And, and they're ready to talk with you and pray with you. So if anyone is listening and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen, turn to him today. Don't wait. So thank you, Eli. Great call. I'm glad you got to go to the camp. Let's go to Iowa and talk to Kyle. Welcome, Kyle. Hello there. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me a little bit today. Yes, sir, brother. I appreciate it. Um, I just had a quick question. I was hoping you guys could shed some light on a little situation for me here. I was listening the other day. I can't recall if it was this program or a different one. Um, but they were talking about, and unfortunately I can't remember what section of the Bible it was offhand, but they were talking about how we, like the father is not supposed to pay for the sins of his son and vice versa and all that kind of stuff. So I was wondering how that equates to like our conundrum with Adam and Eve and how we're all born in sin and stuff because of what they did in the garden, if that makes sense, or where that line's drawn or how we we make sense of that, Mm -hmm. if you will. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Alex, okay, is there a difference in Mm -hmm. uh, the the sin nature being passed down and from the result of a sin rather than paying for their sin. Is there a difference there? Wow. Well, this is a great question because, like, Deuteronomy 24, 16 says, Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of the sin of their fathers. Each one, Deuteronomy 24, 16, says everyone will give an account for their own sin. Now, this is really a legal principle, and in the Western world, and certainly in America, this was the principle of equal accountability before the law. Now, there's also equal protection before the law. But let me say, while Deuteronomy 24.16 is about a legal precept to preserve civil order, um, Genesis 3 and Romans 4 talks about a spiritual precept the imputed unrighteousness of Adam and Eve. So uh, we all need to be born again. We all need a Savior because we're sinners by birth and we're sinners by choice. We, we do sinful deeds and we're guilty before God. But even prior to that birth, we all would have needed to have Jesus because we have the imputed unrighteousness of Adam and Eve. Uh, we're part of a guilty race. And I realize that might seem like a conflict, but it really isn't, because the imputed unrighteousness for which we need salvation is about our reconciliation with God, whereas the Deuteronomy 24.16 personal accountability before the law is about our relationship with each other and maintaining a civil society. Amen. Uh, We hope that helps, Kyle. And again, I could not add to that. Uh, praise God that the first Adam sin, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, delivers us from that sin. That's the good news. Hey, Thank by the you. way, yesterday we was pray, praying for Cindy up in Iowa. 
and she's let us know and saying thank you for praying for her yesterday. Alex, Amen. that's awesome, isn't it, that people re- – don't uh, – listen, let me just take – I won't take but 30 seconds or less. Be, remain thankful. I know we're living in dark days, but in place of looking at all the things that are going wrong and you can't help but see a lot of them, look what God has done. Look who he is. Develop an attitude of thankfulness that he'll never leave you. Amen. He'll never forsake you. That's the good news who we have in Christ Jesus. Well, thank, thank you so much. Let's go to Texas and talk to Dan. Welcome, Dan. Go ahead. Hi, hi guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, man. Welcome. Say, I was in, uh, as, you know, going through the Bible now. I'm going through Ezekiel 28 right now. And I know it's, uh, I believe it's the description of Lucifer and his fall. But in verse 14, it talks about the stones of fire or the fiery stones. And in verse 16, it, they're referenced again. And I, I'm just curious, can you help me just figure out what they're talking about there? Okay, Alex, we don't have about a minute left. Can you answer that or we need to hold on? To well, the- you know what? Uh, talking about those stones of fire and there's um, a description of what's called the Garden of God. But, you know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about uh, in front of the throne of God, it looks like... Uh, it almost looks like ice, but it looks like fire. And, you know, in verse 14, the anointed cherub that covereth, um, Lucifer fell. But I, I really think it's a description of the glory and the power and the holiness. And yes, the fire. God is a consuming fire in the presence of God's throne. Amen. Hey, we appreciate that so much, Dan. We're going to come back with the last segment. We got a lot of questions to answer. We're going to try to get to all of them here on Exploring the Word. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back, and we're not wasting any time. We're going to Kentucky and talk to Brandon. Welcome, Brandon. Hello. Yes, thank you for calling, man. Hey, I'm glad you took my call. And, um, yes, I had a question about I love studying eschatology or end times prophecy. And one thing I've been noticing, and that is that three things, that seems to be really being pushed, and that is, of course, the LGBTQ movement, abortion, and climate change. And just it just really be seeming to be basically, you know, just shoved down our throat. And I was just curious, you know, what are you your guys' thoughts on how those three things play a role in, you know, end times prophecy, prophecy and, you know, um, I know the Word talks about how the world will worship creation rather than the Creator and all, but those three things just really seem to be really being pushed by the left and the world, and just, just I just wonder what you guys thought about that. Thank Thanks. you, Brandon. Great. Mm-hmm. Let me say one word, Alex. I know I, we're trying to let you lead in to get as many calls, but they're all connected. Listen to this, Brandon. Lawlessness. One mm. of the most important uh, things that you can look at in times is lawlessness. It is it's repeated again and again and again. 
And remember in the book of Judges, everybody did that which is right in their own eyes, and God would have to correct them. And those are going to go wild right before, and it seems these three areas is causing that to happen. Alex, go ahead. So here's the homework assignment for the weekend, folks. I want you, if you would, read Daniel 12, 1 through 13, and 2 Timothy 3. Uh, okay, Daniel 12, 1 through 13, and Daniel was written hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, but it says, at the end times, there'll be a, a increase of knowledge and increase of travel. Okay, world travel, global knowledge. All right, but in 2 Timothy 3, and I'm not going to read it all right now, but if you read the first seven verses, 2 Timothy 3, uh, in the last days, just before the return of Christ, perilous or dangerous evil, lawless times will come. It talks about all this sin, blasphemy, the breakdown of the family. Verse 3 of 2 Timothy 3 uh, alludes to homosexuality. Without natural affection, people will have unnatural affections. So, Bert, I believe Old and New Testaments describe some things just immediately before the return of Christ. And, Bert, when I read the paper and look around the world today, I think... uh, I could be wrong, but I think we're there. I would agree. Now, what you've had, you've had, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, and I understand these things, a lot of these, and again, world travel, the way we do it, no, and the way we have the internet, world wide web, but here's what you have. You have this escalating, and it's not just regional. We've always had a lot of this regional areas, but in our day, in 2023 and following it is that so much that it is being bought in by the world. And so, Alex, I think your point is well made. Can I say one more thing? And I know we got to move on, but Romans one twenty five talks, and, and my goodness, read Romans 1, 18 through 25, about the immorality of the last days. But it says, worshiping and serving the creation more than the creator. Now, the very same people that would subvert the U.S. Constitution to save a spotted owl, they don't think anything about murdering unborn babies. That's true. So they worship the creation while at the same time they reject the creator. Okay, let's go to West Virginia. Walter, welcome. Thank you for calling today, brother. Hello. Uh, yes. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, loud and yeah. clear, man. It's good to hear from you. Is it hot in West Virginia as well? It's been raining today. First rain we've had in a few bits. But, well, amen. Uh, yeah, it's pretty warm. Uh, uh, congratulations. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, brother. I had a question. I've been listening to you guys a long time, and I know... I agree a lot of everything y'all have been saying about the Word of God. So here's my question. I'll try to make it quick. Uh, In the rapture, first the graves burst open, and all those that are dead in Christ shall rise, and those who remain will be caught up in the air with him. I understand that. But after, I cannot find no Bible verses or anything. Will children be born during the seven-year tribulation? I, again, Alex, nothing is said. I, I I have a hard time. I can't remember you do it. But it seems like the world is going to keep on operating. And if it keeps on operating, guess what? Children are going to be born. You catch my thoughts on that? 
Yeah. Matthew 24:20 talks about that it'll be hard for people and nursing mothers. It says, pray that your flight be not in winter. Uh, now, a lot of people have thought that um, Matthew 24:20 was Jews during the seven-year tribulation fleeing to Masada to try to um, take refuge. And in fact, Bert, have you heard of some ministries putting Bible and gospel booklets in the cracks of the rocks at Masada? Sure. Because, you know, um, during the tribulation time, there are going to be a lot of Jewish people get saved. So, um, you know, I think, and now feel free to disagree, not only will there be some children born during the tribulation years, there's going to be some children born at least in a part of the thousand-year millennium. Yeah, it, it really looks like that. And uh, Walter, thank you for your interest in it. And yes, I, we think that's true. We're going to go to Oklahoma and talk to Lisa. Lisa, it says you're a first-time caller. I'm glad you called today. Ew. I love listening to you guys every day on my way home from work. You guys are a pleasure to listen to. Well, thank you, Lisa. You. It's good to talk with you today, too. Thank you. Hey, I'm just curious. Why is it that nobody has a last name in the Bible? And what is the reason for this? Okay. Well, let me just say one thing real quickly, Alex. Uh, Simon Barjona. Uh, I was just going to Okay, go ahead. Just take it away. Well, you know, in, in a way, um, a last name qualifies a person. What if I said, uh, I'm looking for Bert in Mississippi? And they said, well, there's hundreds. And I said, well, what about Bert Harper uh, in Tupelo? Well, that narrows it down. And your, your um, you know, surname or your last name, like Simon Barjona, B-A-R means son of. Uh, so it might not be the last name that we think of as, as Europeans. Because, you know, I'm of Scottish extract, Alex McFarlane. But do you know what? The way it was 200 years ago was son of Farlane. In other words, M.C. Mac is like the equivalent of Bar. Uh, Mac Farland, son of Parlane. Uh, Mac Adams, son of Adams. So Bert, in a way, um, the, the concept to qualify and narrow it down it is kind of there, isn't it? It is, and I think you see it developing. Judas is carrot. You catch it? And there was yes. the other Judas, and uh, so you had James, and then James the less. So there was the development of it, Lisa, happening, and again, it would develop to last names. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Sylvia in Iowa. Welcome, Sylvia. Hi, thank you. Yes, ma'am. I enjoy listening. Welcome. I enjoy listening to you both. Um, we, my husband and I, read the Bible every day, and we enjoy. Uh, you examining um, and going through the Bible. Um, we had a co conversation with other believers over the question, did God create evil? And in our reading in I Isaiah, uh, we came across Isaiah 45, 7, and in the New King James Version, it says, I form the light and create darkness. Well, anyway, it says, I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And the other translations say calamity and um, create calamity. Yeah. So our other question is, um, we know that God works all things according to the counsel of his own will, Ephesians 1.11. Mm -hmm. 
And um, and we just want to know what you think about that. And Job, of course, Job said, shall we not accept adversity from the Lord? So I guess my question, what do you think about does God create evil? Let, let me weigh in on this. And by the way, thank you for this wonderful, very, very complex question. Uh, so God does not create moral evil in the sense of committing sin, because God is righteous and eternal. Sin brings death. That's Romans 6, 23. So if God would be sinning, he wouldn't be eternal, because uh, sin and moral evil uh, leads to death. Now, God allows certain things to happen, like tornadoes, and we're in a fallen world, and because of the breakup of the continents and the shift of the plates, we're in this time of, um, you know, extreme weather patterns, and God allows it. And and I agree with those translations that say calamity. Um, but, Bert, let me just say this. We look at the world right now, and people say the natural world is very harsh and severe. Uh, the natural world is very unnatural, because what you and I see around us is not what God originally created. God created the Garden of Eden, looked around and said, it is good, it is good, it is good. So um, are we to blame for evil, pain, and suffering? Uh, yes, we are to blame, but is God to blame? No. He did give us free will. So I'm going to say this, and I'll throw it to you. God didn't create evil. Um, I suppose it could be said that God created the possibility of evil by giving us free will, which we have used to disobey God. But in giving us free will, God also made it possible for us to have a relationship with Him, because there's the possibility of good and love and morality and righteousness. So God is the creator of all things, but we, it doesn't really follow that he is to blame for moral evil and sin. Well said. And again, that scripture is he create calamity. Uh, we understand that, and that's the possibility of it. When sin came into the world, look what all took place. But God, let me give you the hope that this is true so much. There is redemption coming. We have redemption right now in our own lives, and we're going to be completely redeemed in heaven. But this earth, new heaven and new earth, Alex, redemption, God's redemption will be complete, and that's the good news. Thank you for that call so much. Let's go to Texas and talk to Jay. Welcome, Jay. Uh, yeah, I'm I teach a, I taught a Bible study class not long ago on, on uh, eschatology, and I um, during the millennium I had taught that uh, that there would be uh, a sacrificial system uh, there with Jesus, although it would not be blood sacrifice for sin, which would be blasphemy, which would be saying that his uh, uh, effort on the cross was inefficient. Uh, uh, but uh, that there would be uh, in memorial sacrifice system for Jesus during the millennium. And I had one of my uh, students call after, I guess, Alex said there would be no more sacrifices, and they're saying, you don't know what you're talking about, or <laughs> not exactly like that. But uh, is that not right? <laughs> it's, it's not hey, Jay, I get those phone calls all the time. Don't know what you're talking No. And and so, but listen, Alex, go ahead. We have covered this, and so you're ready. Go ahead, Jay. Listen. Yeah, 
Yeah, in, in Ezekiel 40 through 48, Ezekiel gets this vision of the temple, and, and it does say that during the millennial reign, there will be uh, a temple and there will be sacrifices. But let me say, it's not for the atonement of sins. That was paid for on the cross. Um, there, there are two things scholars say, and uh, Dr. Harold Wilmington, uh, Dr. Thomas Ice, uh, John Walvoord, a lot of uh, dispensational scholars that I think are very respectful and trustworthy. There, there are two things, at the very least. One, uh, for ceremonial cleansing, not salvation, but um, going into the temple and worshiping, being in the presence of God. It's, uh, it's, Bert, I think it's like when we take communion and Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. It's, it's a memorial, not a um, salvific ritual. Do you know what I mean? And, and in Christianity, there's a lot to be said about doing things in remembrance. In the Old Testament, there's stones of remembrance. Right. We sing hymns, and we, we have a liturgical calendar. We have Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, and uh, we, churches have homecomings. So, Bert, I think... These things properly kept in balance cause us to reflect back on the great love of what, what Christ did and to worship him all the more. Let me give you another idea, and that is like paintings that picture Jesus when I, you shall not have any graven images before you. Now, I, again, if you're not worshiping that, uh, you know, that picture, it's someone's concept. And when I see especially the one that we refer to so much, Alex, Jesus standing at the door and knocking and there's no yeah. doorknob or latch on his side, that painting always speaks to my heart. And it causes me what? To remember. So the remembrance part of this is so real and so important. So Jay, I, I think you did, from what I understood, you did know what you were talking about. So congratulations. Alex, it's been good, brother. We've had 13 calls that we got through today. And Amen. listen, Cindy, Brian, Ron, Ken, Dan, Eli, Kyle, Dan, Brandon, Walter, Sylvia, Lisa, Jay. What a roll call. That's Amen. our that, they were in our class today, Alex, with a lot of folks listening. Amen. And you're at Auburn Baptist on Sunday? Auburn. I'll be preaching when God says no. And well, uh, I hope it'll help I'm gonna, people. I'm gonna go online and try to hear it. Well, I appreciate that, man. Well, it's been good. I'm glad you have a safe trip back from Colorado to North Carolina. And uh, I know Angie will be ready to see you, brother. Well, and I, her. <laughs> Folks, you've been listening to Exploring the Word. What a great day. We give God the glory. Thank you for listening. Hey, be in church on Sunday. Invite somebody. Get somebody under the sound of the gospel. And tell people about Exploring the Word and AFR. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.